Welcome to Cooperville. Do you know what's fun to do in Cooperville? Pack up your shit and get the fuck out. Listen. www.welcometocooperville.com <laughs> Who the fuck says www anymore? I can't even say it. www. <laughs> Stop that. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, motherfuckers, because we can say that because it's a podcast. Episode 5 of the Welcome to Cooperville podcast uh, coming your way. Of course, we are available on all podcast platforms, including your iTunes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, go down the list. So if you can't find it, it's your fault. It's not mine. Uh, really excited today. Uh, longtime friend, personal friend, uh, my years in radio. Uh, we spent many an event together. Uh, Phil Valinsky from the band Wayland. Uh, boys are in town, and he has made the way into the Welcome to Cooperville cave. It's, I'm, I'm finally here in Cooperville. I know. Welcome. You're, you're I now. I always wondered what it was like. You're officially a resident. It's, it's an amazing process. It starts with a, with a hot shower. <laughs> <laughs> we really do cater to everybody. No? What can we do for you today? Yeah. Get you out of the truck stop showers into, uh, into our home. Uh, but no, Phil and I go back uh, almost six years. Uh, we we kind of built a weird culture. Like the Wayland Warrior Nation uh, is, is still alive and well uh, here yeah. in this area. Yeah, very much so, and it's all your fault. <laughs> and we keep on having to come back. But you, over the years, you guys have, have really mapped out and routed yourselves really well because it started off like, yeah, we'll go up there in January. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, you know, I think middle end of March. <laughs> it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be like 50. We're finally oh, learning. <laughs> learning finally the lesson. Learning. I noticed you guys are spending some time out uh, out in California this time of year, which is not a bad bad gig to have. Yeah. Um, Mitch and Dallas and I have relocated out there. We have. Yeah. We, you know, we toured 300 days a year mm-hmm. up until the end of last year, and it was like um, November. And and throughout last year, we, you know, we separated from our longtime management. We parted ways with the label. Uh, we brought in a new manager that really took a look at things and said, if you want the results that you've always gotten, mm-hmm. then keep doing what you're doing. If you want different results, then we're going to change everything. And she pulled us off the road in November uh, right after the Kiss Cruise, which was a huge thing for right, us. Yeah. That was, I mean, that that alone, that was our kind of, she came in and got us, that was like the first thing that she kind of made happen. There was fans from all over the world. We didn't yeah. really really know what we were getting into with that. Um, but it sounded cool. You're like, we need to be a part of this. Yeah, we I mean, need it's, to be on the it's Kiss a Kiss, cruise. and yeah. it's on a boat, and that sounds awesome, but it was so much bigger. Yeah. Like, there was so much industry there, people, you know, from European concert promoters to, um, it just, mind-blowing every day something amazing would happen you know and that's how we got in touch with, with people like doc mcgee who are still in who's still in our life now right. you know legends mm-hmm. um but yeah so from there she pulled us off the road and we all, over over the, the like last year we started um we, we needed we knew we needed material mm-hmm. to make a record we needed outstanding material we needed undeniable material and so we started to look to some new 
um, kind of influences for that. Like Mitch and I have always written our songs. Right. And we've always written with like the producer we're working with at the time. But we started to really reach out to some of the people we've gotten to know um, that we look up to as songwriters and say, hey, would you want to write a song? And they're like, yeah, you know, why not? Like, I don't. That's really cool. No, yeah, yeah, no one really had anything to lose. So we'd make it every time the band took a break from touring, whether it be a week or, or, or four days, Mitch and I would go somewhere, whether it be to, to Nashville, to Memphis, to Oklahoma City, to L.A., mm-hmm. to you know Orlando, wherever it may be, to meet up with different people to write songs and just see how it went. And um, we got just, we fell in love with the process. Right. We loved it. Just having a third party in with Mitch and I, a, a couple things could happen. They can... They can become like a goalie almost, like because Mitch and I have known each other for so long right, that yeah. sometimes we almost like don't we we want to push each other mm-hmm. and we don't really trust each other like to like <laughs> land on an idea. And sometimes that third person is the one that goes, "No, that's a good idea." And we're both like, "Oh, okay, moving on," you know, <laughs> or we'll get stuck on the second verse for three years. Right. So the, the whole the, song. the whole process changes because you guys, having been uh, in bands together since you know for forever, yeah, and going through the writing process together forever. Yeah, new blood. Bringing in the new energy. energy. Yeah. Yeah. And and these were not just rock and roll writers. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've always written with other rock people, Mm -hmm. but we brought, we started to work with some country artists. We started to work with some, uh, some pop writers. And that's a whole different world. And it was just, it was just fun. And it's like, no pressure. Maybe we'll use the song. Maybe we won't. Maybe they'll use it for another artist. Like, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so being off the road and starting in November and really focusing on that process, helping us. We've never done that. Right. We've always been touring, 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 touring. So we dove into that and it's been just fantastic for us. How has it been? And knowing you guys uh, for the last five years, six years or so, that was, that was just Wayland. Wayland was the band that did 300 dates a year um, that would travel and, and do the, you know, the Midwest run in January. I imagine that getting off of the road for a little bit, taking an extended break, getting that new energy in. And you guys have always been, you know, an extremely motivated outfit. You know, there's never been like a, oh, ho-hum. You know, you've always gone after whether it's songwriting or shows or getting new material out to your fans. There's never been a lack of motivation to do that. It's always been there. But is this like a completely refreshed, recharged, re-energized, you know, two-headed monster that's just ready to take over this year? It it feels completely different. Right. Absolutely. Mm Um, like I said, we shed a lot of certain energies, um, and we really got, I, it's like, I used to think I was focused, mm-hmm. but it's a whole different focus. It's a, it's a whole different game. And, and I'm really proud of us. I, I'm, I'm really proud of everything we've gone through and, and how we've handled it. And, um, and all that, all those things taught us something. Right. Each one, each episode I can think of, um, certain strategies that, maybe like like the touring for instance touring 300 days a year it's not right for us to do anymore mm-hmm. but it was amazing like thank you so much to the people that um that told us to get on the road and do that because we built ourselves a fan base mm-hmm. that nobody could take away from us and i remember being in la in 2010 or 11 you know we were signed to ironworks which is Kiefer sutherland's label mm-hmm. and jude cole sat us down and said i want you guys to move back to michigan and I want you to run a place and you're going to start building a fan base organically. Well, any like record company guy says to do something organically, that's like the scariest thing ever. Cause right. it doesn't sound real. Mm-hmm. Like what, what? And why don't you just write me a big old fat check? Yeah. Everyone else and... just plays the Viper room every Tuesday and hopes to get signed. Right. And we're going to go 
Yeah, exactly. Like, why can't you know? You see these people's mansions or whatever, yeah. and like, why can't you just pay for some shit? You know, <laughs> you know it'd be great if we could just get this check. And, and a young me, believe me, I thought right. that, but yeah. I'm so thankful they sent us out there without a dollar, and but we had a great record. Yeah, we had a great record, and we and we had been we'd been on the Sunset Strip playing, you know, you know, um, trying to get signed or whatever, and so we had that energy mm-hmm. and that like, like do or die mentality dropping into Wayland, Michigan into Grand Rapids then then starting to tour playing little shows on the weekends Rockford, Illinois and Madison, Wisconsin and we were just fierce yeah. like nothing could stop us and, and it hasn't stopped since right. like, it's always been that month to month always feeling like the next month is going to bring something bigger and better and um, I'm really thankful for that but at the same time there was just like kind of a bookend where it was like, okay, it's it's time to stop this, and that that scared a lot of people in our camp too. It scared me. We were like, we stopped in November. By Christmas, I was freaking the fuck out. Yeah, like in my mind, like, are we still a band? Because I don't even <laughs> yeah. know what it feels like to be a band that's not touring. That didn't make sense to me. I would hear of a band taking a break, like in previous years, and be like, <laughs> bye. Oh pussies you know it's like <laughs> but, you, you want to be home for christmas yeah, yeah fuck you yeah exactly <laughs> they don't get it you know but we're seeing that that time you know like and we really weren't taking personal time to be honest we mm-hmm. when we're off the road we love to keep writing and, and doing stuff playing shows mitch and i did some acoustic shows over the holidays mm-hmm. uh, but uh there is so much more to this than just touring right like if there's other dimensions, there's other layers. Now we're talking people, you know, songs being in commercials, TV shows. Um, like I said, we're Podcasts. recording all kinds of songs that other artists may yeah. end up cutting. You know, and we'll come back to uh, to Wayland now and Wayland in, in 2019. But I want to take you back uh, on a personal level. Growing up in in Michigan, uh, who was the first artist that you heard that you can remember when you? heard a song or you heard a riff or you heard a chord and somewhere that fire got ignited inside of you and you said you know what this is this is my path hell or high water you know bring it because I want to do music music is something that I want to do was there do you remember the song do you remember the artist or was was there a, a, a several of them probably like I can remember I'm just trying to just dig back here um like a babysitter I was at had a record. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what the song was, but I just wanted to hear it endlessly over, <laughs> over and, and over. Mm-hmm. And you know what it was? It was some kind of wonderful by Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. And I just loved the sound of his voice mm-hmm. and the bass, you know, that boom, 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 boom. And I don't need a whole, and I'm just like, oh my God. Play it again. That's all I did. I sat yeah. in this playroom and the other kids would go to lunch and the other kids would go outside and play. Mm-hmm. And I just listened to that record over and danced around and pretended I was a rock star. You know, and I remember going like to visit friends that were staying at a campground for the summer and there's a jukebox. And that jukebox had... um had jailhouse rock you know and i played it endlessly there's a trick someone like one of the older kids taught me this trick to like hit the jukebox just right to get it to play your song (laughs) for free and i drove everybody out of this clubhouse because i played elvis over and over over again and that's you know like um i was into that kind of stuff because my mom uh she had this buddy holly cd Mm -hmm. that was again one of the first things that really 
because that's just a guitar, yeah, bass and drums and a guy singing and like I could almost sound like that when I knew three chords to me, right. So then it was like I was on this mission to, and my dad played music. He's a bluegrass guitar player, so right. we go to bluegrass festivals and stuff, and I just loved it. I love yeah. it. Like at that age, bluegrass was not cool. It was like right. the most boring, stupidest thing ever as a kid. Now I obviously love it, but um, I still loved pe- being around it, you know. Um, and they'd have jam sessions. My dad would go to jam sessions, and like the guys he would sit around to fire with and play with, I mean, I thought they were rock stars. Right. Like I was just enamored with people playing music. Every year, Wayland, my hometown, would have this little festival, and cover bands would play, and I wanted their autographs. Like I was just completely obsessed with anything about live music you know yeah so that just um and then you know that that led to me literally doing anything and everything i could to create that for myself so in wayland michigan which you know there's only it's a four town of four thousand like i graduated with uh, i think 200 kids right so sixth grade rolled around and you know, conversation started. My buddy's like, all right, I'm going to ask for a drum kit for Christmas. Sweet. Then, you know, our guy, his dad played guitar too, so he was going to get a bass. Mm-hmm. And I, I was getting a guitar. And I think our parents might have talked and said, okay, we're going to get them microphones. You know, so we had all this stuff. So we were like a band for a year called the Albino Chickens. And then when <laughs> that's, things... That's an amazing name. Yeah, it really is. It. You know, I didn't think of it, but it's just a hilarious <laughs> name. Um, and then when that didn't work out, you know, like, you know, you're sixth grader, so of course someone gets mad at somebody or something. But I was determined. Like I would like hang up signs all over town looking for players. Mm. I would find a friend who I thought was cool, and I'd be like, "Dude, you need to get a bass for Christmas." <laughs> Ask your mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. And I would teach him to play. <laughs> right. It'd take us three months to learn one song because he didn't know how to play. But it was worth it to me to hear the guitar and the bass play together and to have us play a song. And then we'd heard about a guy that might have a drum kit two towns away. And, you know, we drive over to his house and, like, talk him into loading his drums in my van and, and setting him up in my garage and ha- having a band, even if it was just for a day. Right. Like, I was just, that's all I thought about from that point on. Where did uh, where did the relationship with Mitch start? I uh, was going to move to L.A. Mm-hmm. when I graduated high school. Right. That was, like, the plan. So, my senior year, all my friends, like, were going to Cancun or, you know, Panama City for spring break and... Um, my parents were not about to let me go. <laughs> that there. was that was not on Phil's list. No, it was not happening. It was the, I think they could tell that I had probably discovered marijuana, <laughs> you know, and they're just not. They just really, I think my parents that last year just, just really wanted me to grad, like graduate and just get on the right path. They were, you know, at that right. age, you're so. Imp- I think I was impressionable as as much as a leader as I was in my group. I was also very like impressionable by older people and musicians and i wanted to do anything to be a good musician right so like if i was hanging out with i, and I started hanging out with like these 25 30 year old musicians in grand rapids the nearest big town mm-hmm. because i wanted to play like no one in my grade would take it seriously right and i was done with that like i wanted to be taken seriously i wanted to play in bars i wanted to have gigs so you know those guys are that age so they're drinking and they're doing stuff that an 18 year old really shouldn't be doing Anyway, my parents decided to book a trip to Los Angeles for my spring break so I could kind of see where I was going to be staying and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how it happened because I had a friend from my hometown that had already moved to L.A., this girl that grew up across the street from me. Mm -hmm. So I 
called her as soon as we got to LA and she's like, Oh, you know, I'm going out of town, but my boyfriend will come pick you up and, and bring you over to his apartment. Cause he's staying with a bunch of musicians. Mm-hmm. So this guy pulls up in this car to my parents' apartment and it's Mitch. <laughs> and we are like wow. instant best friends. Right. Instant. Like as soon as I got in the car, it was like a, like a scene out of like, you know, stepbrothers or something. It's like, are we best friends? You know, we are, we are. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so he took me to this place, man. He took me to this place. It was, it was apartment 14. It was like this, um, I mean, it was a dump. It was like a townhouse in Orange County. Nine dudes live there. Like the doors had fallen off. The carpets were stained. The lease had just been passed down to people for years and years. Like no one knew who was actually on the lease. <laughs> You would Shady if you dealings. went down in the middle of the night and turned the lights on, cockroaches Oof. covered the floor, would just run. It was, but to me, eighteen year old kid, like it was Shit. paradise. Yeah. I I could not believe it. So I went back to my friends in Michigan after that trip and I was like, I am moving to apartment fourteen. And I am, I am. <laughs> I don't need to worry about signing the lease. That shit, <laughs> yeah. that shit over. And that's what happened is yeah. uh I moved right in there and um Mitch and I were best friends and we started, he had already written, he had, he knew two chords on the guitar and he'd already written a song and he's like that. Like, that's what I love about Mitch is he's got this, like, it's like a really, um, naive way of of like creativity where you teach Mm -hmm. him one chord and he'll write three songs with that chord. Like he doesn't, where some people may put up blocks in their creativity. I can only go this far because I only know this much. Yeah. Yeah. And so he'd already written this great song. And I was like, with two chords. And I was like, um, can you teach me how to sing like that? And he's like, oh, dude, it's so easy. I can totally teach you how to sing like this. And I was like, sweet. I'm going to keep hanging out with this guy because he's going to teach me. Because I always wanted to be like a high singer. Like right. I love like Robert Plant. Mm-hmm. I love Michael Jackson's high voice. Like just high rock singers. I love that stuff. Of course, my voice doesn't do that physically. I'm a baritone, <laughs> you know, but. It's my only chance. <laughs> Even Mitch could not <laughs> change Kid, your ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we started. So he didn't really have much. I mean, he was like a dancer. He was like a hip hop dancer. Mm-hmm. But he loved the idea of playing guitar. And I had been studying karate my whole life. I was a fourth degree black belt in Sanchenor karate. And he'd always wanted to study karate. So we start, started teaching him that. And we just became like this inseparable duo mm-hmm. at that point. And to pay our rent and to feed ourselves, we would take the bus to or- to Huntington Beach every day mm-hmm. with a 30-minute bus ride. We'd get up in the morning, each have a buck fifty to get on the bus, and we'd go down there and we'd play cover songs on the streets with our cases open all day long. So like Brown Eyed Girl, mm-hmm. I remember was one of them. We'd do Muddy Waters, um, Hoochie Coochie Man, just random songs, you know, like that I knew I would show him. And and if he ever got overwhelmed with the chords because he only knew two chords, he would turn his guitar over and hit it like a drum because you can get all these different (laughs) sounds out of a guitar, Mm -hmm. acoustic, you know, and we'd sing harmony. Hard to handle is another one. Otis Redding, you know, Black Crows. Um, And so we do that on same three or four songs on every corner. And we'd we'd have it, we had this down to a science. Like this was our mission. So Mm -hmm. we'd be walking and we'd be looking around the beach and you'd see families. And all of a sudden you'd see like a big family coming and we could time it out, get the case in. We learned real quick that if you don't throw your own money in the case, people aren't going to add to it. So you right. always got to have yeah. a couple crinkled up dollars mm-hmm. and some change to throw in there just to kind of show them what's going on. These guys must be good. Other people have thrown exactly. money Exactly. It's like a bandwagon marketing, you know. <laughs> and we would time it so that we would 
start the song, and we knew exactly how long it would take for someone to get down the street so that we would hit the chorus in harmony. Boom. And it'd be super impressive, like these <laughs> moments, you know? Throw some more money in the yeah. case. And so we did that forever. Like, we did that for a whole summer until finally someone offered us a gig. Like, someone came out out of one of the bars mm -hmm. and said, you guys want to play here on Friday? We were like, oh, my God, yeah, our dreams are coming true. You know, next <laughs> will probably be signed, yeah. you know? And so we were like, yes, we'll take the gig. And this was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we realized we only knew three songs. And we had to play three sets of 45 minutes, you know? This is the deluxe version yeah. of Brown Eyed Girl. I don't know if you know, we did the chorus 12 times here. <laughs> so I got, well, I had done that. Like, I had played yep. in bars a little bit. But Mitch, it was like, he had never done anything like that. So we had like we went through serious like hardcore boot camp. He had to learn like thirty or forty songs in two days, <laughs> which is pretty much impossible. Right. Uh, I remember him just like having breakdowns. It was like it was rough, but we pulled it. He off. He just wants to dance hip hop. Yeah, exactly. We we pulled it off, and it was kind of you know it just built from there. Um, you know, people only really know about the people that have been in the band since we started like being on the radio and touring, but mm -hmm. we had a lot of other musicians play with us. We were always kind of changing bass players and drummers because we always wanted to play with the best. Right. You know, not to be flaky or anything, but everyone has to do what's best for them and everyone kind of has to play with other, other members or like other people. And so we would always just kind of use different drummers for different recording sessions or different shows. And it was always um, about the songs that we were writing and, and the way that Mitch and I sang harmony together. And I think, you know, when you talk about because of your relationship with Mitch, um, the things that you guys went through together, the things that you taught one another, um, when you finally get into, you know, the actual band part of it, you guys know what how 300 days a year feels like on the road. You know how being away from family and not being able to, you know, and, and sometimes that money just doesn't, it doesn't come in. No matter how many T-shirts we buy, you know, that money just isn't there. So it, it really takes, I think, a certain strength and whether that's the strength that you have or that Mitch has or the strength of you guys combined together to say, no, we're, you know, at this stage of Wayland, you know, when you guys were doing 300 dates a year, this is what we need to do. You know, this is not, you know, we're going to do six week runs and we're going to take a couple weeks off and six week runs. Um, so I think you're, you're going to eventually find the people that have that same drive that want to jump on board, you know, the train and say, yeah, I, I'm game for, you know, however many dates it is this year. And I'm down for going to L.A. And I'm down for you know, writing different with different people. Um, to think through that process, you're going to eliminate some people just because it's not for everybody. You know, it's not something that, that mostly because they don't have the talent. But it's not something I couldn't be gone, you know, from my family for, mm -hmm. for that long. Um, totally. And it's, it's a tough, dude, it's, it's a tough gig. It's very tough. And even when people come in, look, well, I had to really... This sounds so fucked up, but like I had to get used to people coming in and out of my life yeah. on a professional level and and a personal level and an intimate level because, you know, you can get as close as you want with anybody or friend, but there's a moment that comes that he realizes he's not in the band and the band is the first priority. Right. There's a moment that comes with any girlfriend or wife or whatever, then she realizes she's not your top priority. It's your right. band. Mm -hmm. And that, as many times as I've been through that, it still sucks. I mean, it doesn't change who I am or what. I right. mean, my life is my band, and that is my priority. And no, I'm not going to be able to book a vacation six months out because I don't know what my band is doing. Well, you could get And that sucks. I get it. That yeah. sucks for anybody mm -hmm. in my life. Yeah. But that's how it is because if I bag groceries at Whole Foods or Festival Foods or whatever – 
I wouldn't be who I am. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that. You know, like I've had to take a look at that and say, would that be me? Would that be an easier life for me? Would that make sense for me? Would that be easier on everybody around me? But no, it wouldn't. Right. Like you would not want to see that person. Yeah, because you're going to be miserable. I can't even imagine what that would be. Yeah. Some people get lost in the in the glitz and the glam of, of rock and roll. And not just no, not just rock and roll, but the industry, the music industry, because you a lot of people have, you know, a, a television view of it. Like, oh, they see, wow, these rock stars and then they you know the struggle part of it isn't well documented. There, I mean, there's plenty of documentaries about the struggles that bands can go through. I just watched The Dirt last night. That was a fucking mind. I can't wait to see it. It, it was, it's crazy. Uh, really, really well done. I mean, they couldn't, but they couldn't quite. I mean, if you've read the book, yeah. it, I'm not sure what television rating you could you could put on that Netflix or not. But they they left out some of the the yeah. really really good parts. Um, but I think there is. Uh, it takes a strong person to be able to do it, to be able to, to have the talent first and foremost to do it, but then to be able to have the drive and dedication to go out and, and really do whatever's necessary for the success of the band. Think that, I almost think that that's bigger than the talent. Yeah. Like, it's like... The drive, yeah. Yeah, because, dude, I know a lot better guitar players than me. I don't I don't know any guitar player that's better than you. No, dude, I know a lot, but uh, but they, again, those, but not a lot of them want this. Right. Like, they want to be at home and play at church on Sundays or whatever, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's cool about music is it is it is a personal thing, and it is for you, and you can use it however you want. I like to affect people's lives with it. Right. Like, I, last night we played, and there's someone crying, you know, or comes up after the show and tells us how much that song helped them, like, through a seriously dark time in their life. Mm-hmm. That's why I do this. Like, right. that is it, and I'm addicted to that feeling. I love it. Like I, now I don't love that someone went through a dark time in their life. Like that's not what I'm saying. I right. Just, yeah. But like the fact that we're able to be a part of people's lives through doing something that we have a passion for. I mean, it's, that's fucking, that's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, it's, and you guys do a great job of this. And, and I want to get into a little bit of, um, even in the, in, in the time that you have been doing music, um, on a professional level, uh, how social media has completely changed the game and how things are going, technology and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't think of any bands that are as have a close of relationship as Waylon has with the Warriors, with with their nation. I mean, you guys are you are constantly doing Facebook Live stuff. You know, you're letting people. You know, it's it technology and, the, and social media has opened up this curtain to a you know what it you know a lot of what it looks like to be on the road. What it looks like to to ride in a bus constantly all the time and, and before the bus days, you know, to ride in an RV and before that to ride in a van, but it's really pulled back the curtain and you guys do this. And I think that makes that connection between you and the fan base even stronger because you give them this all access pass to see this is what it's really like. It's not always glamorous, but you know, you want to give them a peek into, um, so they feel this real connection with the band because they know you want to, on a level where they go, man, they, they're doing truck stop showers or, you know, they, they're doing six days in a row and they're not going to be home, but you guys just have a real awesome relationship with your fan base. Yeah. It's, um, it's been kind of a learning thing, like, because we want that. We definitely do. I all we ever wanted, all Mitch and I ever wanted was to be a band with fans. Like right. when we first started, even our parents were like, you guys are going to do what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, they, was, be, it's they encouraging. Believed, yeah, yeah. It's like they believed in us, but we had a lot to prove to everybody around us because nobody really, you know, I don't know if they really saw this happening like this. Well, yeah, because and that's you'll find that with a lot of people who 
have the balls to go and venture and try something new. And because it, it's a tough thing to see. It's, you know, to talk about being a musician, to being a touring musician, to being in a band, to having fans, you know, people look at that and like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, sure. Good luck. Um, yeah. But yeah, but, it's but like, if you have the drive. Or, you know, yeah. Do you know how many years we got asked, especially by our family, probably the first couple of years we're doing, I mean, you know, cool, what's your backup plan? That <laughs> yeah. was like the biggest yeah. question, you know. When are you going to get a real job? Yeah, I got that a lot too. Yeah, I got that from like my aunts and uncles and stuff. Right. Like I said, my parents were so ridiculously supportive mm-hmm. from the beginning. Like, I mean, they they helped us out when Mitch and I were, we were living in government housing in Orange County and um, like Mexican mafia neighborhood. I mean, it was, we, they, they were bringing us food from their church every Sunday, These the our neighbors, just so we could survive. Um, and my parents were right there to help us out whenever we like really almost didn't eat, you know, they, yeah. they always huge, huge help. But, you know, like I said, the people around them, I think were probably getting, mm-hmm. they were probably getting asked, well, what's he going to do when this fails? Yeah. When this doesn't work. Is he good at bagging groceries? Can he, you know, bag yeah. groceries five days a week and play and, on the weekend? I remember Jude Cole telling me that, that too. He said, you need to have the mindset of this is what you're going to do, yeah. whether you're homeless under a bridge doing it or you're playing stadiums. If that's what you want to do, like that's it. That's your only, you know, there is no backup plan. And we've never felt like we 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 made sure we didn't have a backup plan. Yeah. If I started dating a girl that had too much money and wanted to take care of me, I broke up with her. Like, because I didn't even <laughs> want to risk having a backup plan. Like, wait a in the minute, back of my head. This, this seems like it could be too comfortable if I decide to get off the road. That sounds nuts. But no, like, no, I get it. We yeah. literally would go through that with each other. You know, have those conversations to make sure that nothing was like telling the universe that we wanted something different, you know? No, I think, you know, that's when, when you have that mindset and a lot of it is a lot and talent is on the list, but mindset is huge because if you run into an uncomfortable situation and it's really easy just to say, all right, I know I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with this. It's not something I want to pursue anymore because I don't want to move through it. You have to be, if you I can push so yourself. many great musicians and so many bands that, we're do we're just so good until they just like got burnt out or mm-hmm. like it was just easier to go home and have a family or what not I shouldn't say easier but maybe their their attention shifted I don't know what it feels like to be them you know because you fall in love or whatever happens I don't know we really love doing this yeah and I'm not saying that you can't have a family and do this because I'm sure you can I don't know if I would be very good at that at this point but um because it's la- it's laser focus. It is. And if yeah. something comes up, I mean, the Kiss Cruise, I think, is a good example of had you had a vacation planned and all of a sudden this thing pops up, guess what? Your vacation's getting canceled. Oh, yeah. And it's tough to find somebody um, in, in a relationship or in, in family who can understand and be supportive of that. Because it, it you can, I think you can to people can to an extent, but then when it starts to like affect you know, their life, they're like, wait, yeah, I, I support you and, 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 and go Phil you know, doing, doing the music thing, but... Uh, you're now you're affecting my life. If you're still laser focused, and I get that. You gotta you gotta move on. You yeah, move past I mean, I've I've had friends that I couldn't make it to their we- like dear friends. I couldn't mm-hmm. make it to their weddings or family members. I couldn't make it to their funerals or whatever. And um, you know that's just because I was on tour or whatever. That's how it is. That's just how it is. And I think yeah. there's and there's so many distractions these days too. You know, outside of major events, weddings and funerals and stuff it's a hell of a lot easier to be like, you know what? I could have gone and done this today. I could have gone and learned something today. I could have gone and, um, you know, set things up for later today, but instead I got into watching, uh, 
you know, a series on Netflix. Now I've just been doing this. <laughs> yeah, all they're hard to strike. You know? You're right. There's, that it, is easy. And yeah. there's so many things out there. You can get, you know, oh, look, I just uh, j- jumped on Facebook and all of a sudden it's an hour later and you're like, where the hell did the time? I could have yeah, been being productive there. Yeah. So it's. Everyone's guilty of that, you know. It's just a zone well, it's because I'm, I'm just watching your videos. I'm like, scroll. I'm going to see what. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> but we do. We, we love staying in contact with our fans yeah. like that. Like the lives are fun. It's fun. It's like, to me, it's fascinating that people are on there writing me back right now. They want to know what we're doing. Like that, I'm just enamored by that. I love. That's why I do it. Yeah. Because like, and as soon maybe as it's like an ego thing. Like I can get on here anytime, and there's people there waiting to hear. Right. From yeah. Me. They like, get the notification. Cool that? Pounces on the phone. Like, oh, Wayland is live, and you're like, oh, whatever I was doing, it takes secondary yeah, how cool focus. Cool is that? Like, go get on people's time. You know. That's really cool. So, uh, so it's 2019. Um, you know, we talked about being out in LA and doing some stuff out there, uh, taking that time off, getting off of the road for a little bit. Um, what does the rest of this year look like for the band? I mean, and I know things obviously can change at any moment. There can yes. be, oh, we're yeah. going to jump on this, or hey, we got invited to do this. Um, but as far as the goals and focus of Wayland at this point of 2019, where is the trajectory taking, guys? Well, there's not a lot of things over the last few years that I like, like regret or felt like we didn't handle correctly, but there... One thing is that I just don't like how long it's taken for us to mm-hmm. put music out. Right. Um, whether I, you know, I could I can place blame on people or people that were around us or whatever, but it doesn't. None of that matters at all. Like it really comes down to the fact of us, like as a band, just like overthinking. I think of like trying to. I don't know. I, I don't know what the heck it was. Obviously, our folks was on touring yeah. instead of putting out music. But like Rinse and Repeat took forever to get out. You know, right. and we recorded way too many songs, and only half of them got put on there. And you know, I and so all with all with that being said, I just want to get music out to people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needs to be that big of a deal. I think we can put out any kind of song we want if we write it, and if we write a better one next week, let's record it and put it out. Yeah, why not? Like I. I know that the people that follow our band like our songwriting. You're not going to like every song. Um, doesn't really matter. We, we we write all kinds of songs, you know. And so, I think ten years ago, it was a lot. I'm not saying it's not special when mm-hmm. we, when you put out a song. I'm not saying that. I just really don't want anything to hold up the energy of like our creative flow. We're writing all these songs. Why not just get them out? Yeah. Instead of sitting on it, maybe that energy or that that thought isn't in your head as you know in six months when you go oh, let's go look at those uh let's go look at that song again yeah or we need to put something out or not or maybe you get put under pressure to get something out and then it's it's not because you felt it in that moment when you wrote it or you put the song out it was well now yeah, i gotta that's try to worst, rekindle man that. it's like putting yeah. a song out two years after you finished it or something because yeah. all the things had to line up and then you barely care about it yeah. <laughs> you know I, I like I know that that's song part of the work but right you know. but it, you know you it, it has a different feel to it it's not it, Mm-hmm. it's not as in the moment as, as it can be, especially now when you guys have probably the capabilities to, you know, write a song, put the music to it and have it recorded in a very short span of time. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Like, like literally we got, um, we have a song coming out of this that's called forget about me. Yeah. Uh, we wrote it. We, we co-wrote it with the guys in hinder. Oh, with very cool. Cody Hanson Cody, and Marshall yeah. Dutton. Love those yeah. guys. Oh man. We love them so much and they're so talented and just, they've been such good friends to us. We literally, um, once we told, like, we we wrote the song earlier, well, I guess earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but when we decided, hey, we want to put something out, hey, we love the song, we got in the studio, we cranked it out, but when I had a mix, it was being uploaded 
and ready to go on, you know, on iTunes a week yeah. later. So it's, it's amazing. awesome like that. And let's just put some songs out. Like that's just where we're at. Like we just want to get some music out and not overthink it. And it, um, and that may change. I mean, next time you see me, I might be like, dude, we're putting one song out a year. It's going to be a masterpiece. You it's going to have, it's going to be pro- produced and it's going to be top notch. Yeah. We feel, and- we feel differently every two weeks. But, I, think I mean, that, we're, not, we're not going to put any crap out. We're only going to put out music that we wholeheartedly believe in. And that is another thing that's very important to us. I think in the past, you know, you're always influenced by people that are around you. There's yeah. no question. Mm-hmm. So I think Mitch and I, more than ever now, really are proud of the fact that the band sounds the way the band does because it's based around our songwriting and his voice and... I don't know. We've been asked so many times over the last six months, what does Whalen sound like? And that's been a really hard question for me yep. to answer. Mm-hmm. Really hard. I don't, I don't even, I'm still trying to figure that out. And we have a couple songs right now in the works um, that we're working with some different producers on that feel like they really finally, truly define a sound of Wayland. I know we've been kind of all over the place. You know, one might say. Well, some of my art, my some of my favorite artists are all over the place too. I mean, let's you know my argument to that that thing that these industry people say to us like that is like, well, I don't know. Led Zeppelin can put "Going to California" an immigrant song on the same record. Yeah, and, and you know <laughs> the Beatles are the same way. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I'm not comparing us to those but I think, monsters. But, those those amazing. I mean, those bands are different. That's but different. it's the ability to not have one sound. Yeah, like rock and roll is supposed one. to be a freedom. Yeah, it's supposed to be okay. To do it like that's what it's about. It's about growing your hair long, and you know, in the fifties, it was about you know shaking your hips and like doing things crazy. Yeah, that, you I mean, know that no one had ever seen. We're not gyrating gonna, your hips. Yeah, wait a minute, know? we need a better camera angle on Elvis so we don't <laughs> yeah. get his hips gyrating because that will offend the parents. Yeah, look how, look how far we've come, kids. <laughs> Join TikTok, you'll see how far the world's come. And so when you're told that like it doesn't work because you have a couple songs that all sound different from each other, I'm not, I I don't know. Then that then that's not. That's not the people we want to work with. Right. That feels to me like an old, an old philosophy because I think it worked. I think it worked for like ACDC. My son, who's going to be nine, can recognize ACDC within the first three chords. Mm-hmm. He knows that it's you know that's Angus or that was you know a Malcolm riff or it's yeah. Um, he, it's weird. He can even tell if it's <laughs> Brian Johnson or Bon Scott. He's like wow. He's like oh, is this uh this is Brian Johnson, isn't? It? I'm like dude. Wow. Dude. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. I, I know where your future is going. But and that but, band is lucky because they sound, they just sound like that band. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so that, this is the AC. It's an ACDC sound. So I think you know it. It worked for them, but I don't think that it has to work for everybody. I think in in all f- genres and especially rock and roll these days, you know, we're not in the grunge era. You know, we're not in the the glam era of the '80s or you know the 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 different sounds of the 2000s, which nobody can really right. put. Words can really put that, a. That's a really good point. On. Yeah, you know, it's it's this time where I think because of how people can get music, it's not just I'll turn on the radio and then hope in the next hour or two you hear the song. Yeah. It's, if you want to hear it, if I want to hear the new Wayland song the second that it is available, I can go and get it. And having all those different avenues to get music, you don't you know you shouldn't have to be pigeonholed into well, I want it to sound like this. Well, sometimes I'm in a mood to hear. I know, get a little, you know, sometimes I want to hear, you know, welcome to my head. Sometimes I want to hear ghosts, you know, it's, it, they all have, you know, a different field and a different time. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's still at its, I think at its core, it's still Wayland. You can put all those songs in a row. You can line them up on your playlist and listen to them and you can, you know, go through the, the sonic sounds and the feels of each song. So, yeah, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't recommend ever being pigeonholed into, well, it, ha it doesn't sound like this. You know, that that was a little too twangy. That, that has a little too much of a country feel to it. Oh, that beat is a little too this. You know, if it if you guys feel good about it and if a band feels good about it and you have the means and the capabilities and, and at this world we live in, instantaneous access to get that music out, fuck it. You know, yeah. let people listen. Let them hear it. That's what we figured. And it's been so much fun. It's been yeah. so much fun putting songs out and not really worrying about that. You know, Very cool. It was crazy because like we put Indiana Jones out and we didn't really know how people were going to react because it does have a pedal steel on it, which was just kind of right for the song. Yeah. Gives it a little it bit of a country feel. thing. Yeah. But, um, and there were a lot of country stations that played it, which we were really surprised. We mm -hmm. never saw that coming. Um, but a lot of rock stations played it too. We weren't even, we sent it out to our supporting radio stations, but we never really like officially went to radio, I right. say, you know, with it. We are so thankful to get the support and, more than anything, you know, our fans our fans love it. Yeah. You know, Get a Little never officially went to radio either, and it's definitely our probably our biggest song that reached the most amount of people. Yeah, because I think, cause I think that, and there was a song that I think, you know, transcended a lot of different genres, and it be, it's, you know, it's, it's an anthem. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a, it is an anthem, and I think for, uh, especially around here, and I can only speak to around here because this is where I'm from, it's got, it's, it's got Midwest, like, plastered all over it. I mean, oh, this, yeah. this feels like Friday night in Eau Claire. You know, it, it should feel like this because it's that's not all, but it's a lot of the you know the people that are out here. They go, that's the song I want to hear when I when the whistle blows. I don't think they have whistles anymore. I think they just <laughs> fucking. I think an alarm goes off on their phone, like oh, it's time to quit. But that you know that's it gets them in a feel good mood and, and yeah. They can I was literally thinking that. of we wrote that we were at my parents' house in Michigan. And I was thinking there's a town called Door, Michigan, where we'd always go to fireworks every Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. We were literally thinking of that that Door, Michigan Fourth of July yeah. thing. You know. Yeah, it's got that feel to it. But no, I think it, I'm so happy to be a part of any of your journeys, and we have been from uh, from back in 2012. I think is the first uh, year that is we that we did that golf thing. <laughs> yeah, we. I used to put Whalen in just the weirdest fucking places to play music. Yeah, we I'm trusted like, you. Let's go. Hey, this time we're gonna be. Well, that side's a bowling alley, and this side <laughs> is a. It's actually a giant bubble. Um, this is a children's yeah. theater, and this <laughs> is oh, this is a pavilion at a golf course on a Friday afternoon, at, with a bunch of drunks that have just Put gone on a volleyball court. On yeah, Halloween yeah, we once. did the yeah volleyball courts. Yeah, inside the dome. Yeah, yeah. that was great. I know. I, I feel like I should find something else now, but <laughs> but now you got you guys got a um, we finally have a nice venue in town, which you guys get a chance to go and, and play tonight. It's beautiful. Yeah, the really Metro nice. is awesome. Like yeah. they said, there was a, used to be like a big band club in the '40s or something. Yeah, it, it's. It was a lot of things, and it was um, most recently it was like a boys and girls club. Oh, okay. And that I mean, not recently, but in the last couple of years. But it was a a, a restaurant. It was a dance club. It was a you know, band hall back in the day. Um, but they've really done a nice job too. And, and you've played pretty much everywhere there is to play and beyond in this in this market. But that's a that's such an amazing place that they have such high you know not in right now in its condition. It's a beautiful place to play, but they have some really big ideas about being able to utilize that space um even more with taking some walls down and stuff which i'm oh cool i'm encouraging well the i'll tell you man just since we got there this morning the staff is so cool yeah and that makes such a difference in the day i swear it plays into how the show is like when the Absolutely. staff is nice and accommodating and oh we got you hooked up at the ymca across the street and here's a list of great coffee shops and just like i mean because you know every day we're just walking randomly in a town we google maps to wherever you find <laughs> what's going to be the closest we're going to yeah. go take a shower cooper's house that's where i go to take a shower. <laughs> but yeah i mean the cool thing about you know that and venues that you when you've played all different kinds of venues there are places that 
really they're not built to have bands in. There's places that the majority they they're doing it's a restaurant, so they're they're focused yeah. on that. We know with a with a venue like this, and I'm sure others you played, that's what they're doing. Is they are doing they are a concert venue. You know they'll do some wedding stuff, but um, they are a concert venue specifically for that purpose. When, our, when we got this new manager, like she really got serious about that. Like we aren't we aren't playing anywhere that's not made for concerts now right. like we went through all that we played every whack-ass place across the country and you show up and be like oh shit you know? <laughs> i think i got a couple of phone calls before you would book a show be like hey tell me about this place what do you know about this absolutely like, started checking, i say you know, well you like, know they have a great friday fish fry yeah <laughs> i'm not sure how the, not sure how the over 60 crowd is going to be uh cranked up it's at not nine. really an ego thing we just want to make sure the music and the show gets across right you know that's all yeah and you and don't like, want to hamstring the show together to be, you know playing certain things so yeah i think and i think that's you have to do that. You're, you're protect, not only protecting a brand, but you want you have fans coming out. Not only your dedicated fans who will who will go, you know. Yeah, and then we you show, want, we see them showing up all excited, and we feel bad. Like, I'm so like, sorry. Oh, shit, I'm sorry you paid money to get in here. Right, you don't uh, want that feeling anymore. I'll buy no you a beer or something. Why don't you come on the bus. Let's do some shots of Jack Daniels. It'll be fine. Uh, well, Phil, thank you so much for taking time out, joining the podcast, um, and best of luck to you guys as always. Uh, I, I, I can feel, and again, we've we've crossed paths at a lot of different junctures. Uh, how the band was, you know, members that were in the band, what the next step was going to be, you know, before they, you know, with the first full length album came out. So we've been kind of we've we've crossed paths at all those major junctions, and I feel like at this at this junction, I mean, this band is just on fire. And, yeah, it feels great, and man. I bet you guys are just fucking ecstatic that you're we at are, this we're point. Having, and we're having so much fun. Like the shows are fun. Mm-hmm. It's li- it's a light vibe on the bus. We have an amazing road crew that it's just great. Like we could not ask. And, and you know, what's funny is when you start, you know, you can sit around and be frustrated that we're not where we want to be. Right. And believe me, I have been for the last six years. Yeah. But I swear, as soon as you start to like enjoy the process and enjoy the journey, Mm -hmm. all that stuff starts laying itself out in front of you. Right. You know, all those steps Mm -hmm. become so clear when you're not in that mad mindset or whatever, you know? Yeah, and when you, when you understand that to get to the goal or the next step, if you're, if it's, you're just angry about not being there yet, yeah, you're not enjoying what's right in front of you, which, which tonight is going to be a great crowd over at the, the Metro. So very cool stuff. Um, thank you again for coming, thank you, hanging man. out in the basement, petting the dog. You know, I love that dog. I want to take him. <laughs> My wife will kill you. Really? You know, I, I can look the other way and be like, oh, I guess I'll miss him. But yeah, he ran away. Yeah, he must have. <laughs> if you'd come a week earlier, there was no way he was making it through the snowbanks, man. He was like, oh, fuck man, this noise, man. You see his little tail sticking up out of the snow. It was great. Uh, but thank you for joining the uh, joining the podcast, and, um, and I'm sure we'll we'll have you back on. That'll be fun. Thanks, man. You can check out the Welcome to Cooperbo podcast again. It is on all major platforms on Apple, on Google, on SoundCloud. It's even on YouTube. Uh, you can check it out there. Uh, episode six coming up next week.